welcome to RSF, the revolutionary sports front, your dirty, nasty, and controversial sports talk podcast for all things Detroit sports and sports worldwide. Here are your hosts, Tony, Joey, Frank, and Gerard, four lifelong friends born and raised in South Detroit. Welcome back. Season two, episode seven of the revolutionary sports front, RSF. Huge Saturday afternoon. I welcome in Jerry to my left, Tony across from me, and Krasik to my right via Skype. I can see his big, beautiful face right in there. And aloha, of, Frankie. Aloha, brother. And speaking of you, Joe, um, I just want to give you a quick shout-out along with all the other veterans out there. Happy Veterans Day. Uh, we are obviously having Joe on the show. We're big, big supporters of all the people that defend this great country of ours and just want to thank you, Joe, and get that get that first thing first. Yeah, from the bottom of our hearts, Joe, it means the world to us. You do a job I can never do, and uh, it really means a lot. Thanks, boys. Thank you. And, and you know, to my to my uh, my dad, my grandpa, a lot of uncles who serve as well. Uh, thank you to them. We appreciate yeah. you guys. But with and that, Dan, if you're listening, of Jerry, the podcaster, this is going to be great for you. But if you're a fan of Jerry, just as a person, you might feel a little bit bad for him. Um, we were going to do the show this morning as a prelim to the college football day, but we got pushed back a little bit. So the 12 o'clock game, the big game, one of the big games today has already occurred just now. It's fresh. So um, we got Michigan State getting blown out by Ohio State, 13 versus 12. It wasn't pretty. It was never close. We'll get to that. We got um, the only hope we have left seems to be Notre Dame and Joe's who would have thought Joe's neck of the woods. So good for them. And they got a game coming up and we just got a lot of college football to talk about. Some pro Lions got it done on Monday. We'll talk about that and what's to come next. Um, their schedule and whatnot. The Packers, their future. We'll always we always cover them. Coming off the biggest UFC card in maybe history and at least in modern memory. Um, and also we all let's dive right in. Um, we'll have to start with the game of the week and as far as this show is concerned. And man, Jerry State. Everyone built up a lot of hype, but they never really had a chance. And I'll let you go from there. Yeah, you know, uh, I would like to credit myself for being right about Michigan State being Penn State last week. Jerry but, crediting himself. Who would have thought? Uh, yeah, you know, it's... <laughs> I mean, is the season a disappointment? No. Is today extremely disappointing for me? Am I a little somber? Yes. Michigan State went out there. They got uh, blown out. Uh, panty raided. I don't know what you what you want to call <laughs> it. Um, I think Hiroshima's in better shape right now than the Michigan State Spartans walking off that field, but... Uh, yeah, no, it's they just got beat on every aspect of the ball. If you want to look at the stats of it, in the first half, Mike Weber, who's their backup running back, had 146 yards. Michigan State had 140, 104 total yards, so that's 42 less than just a backup running back. But they got beat in all phases today. Uh, Ohio State's kicking game was better. Michigan State couldn't keep – they did a good job of keeping the pressure off last week against Penn State, but they could not this week. The work he was constantly facing rushes. He didn't look comfortable in the pocket. I mean – Am I really upset about this because it meant a Big Ten title? Yeah, but I also think the outlook is pretty bright seeing how this is an extremely young team. I think this might be one. We'll get him to, I mean. What about that running back for Ohio State? He looked like a hot butter knife. Yeah, Mike Weber. Yeah, they just, I mean, this was the perfect. I talk about the perfect storm a couple times in the show. This was the perfect storm for Ohio State. Their entire season was online, coming back to the shoe. And Michigan State, although they're gamers and they're tough and they try really hard, I mean. When they're going to get beat by a good team, this is what it's going to look like. The fact of the matter is they're probably going to win out, finish 9-3, and three, maybe win a bowl game, get to 10 wins. From 3-9 and nine to 9-3, nine and three, that's a total flip-flop and reversal. You get two huge wins, but there's nothing I, I thought, really good to I say. I thought Michigan State overall had a good year, though, man. I mean, 
you, you talk about the win against Penn State. You talk uh, about the win against uh, Michigan on the road. Uh, those, those are some those are some key wins there. They they let one slip by against Northwestern there, but uh, I mean the Penn State win, I it turned the Big Ten upside down, man. I mean you talk about a, a couple of two lost teams, and and essentially what they did is they they took out Michigan at first. And then by beating Penn State, they put Michigan right back into into the thick of things. So if, if Michigan can uh, can go go to Wisconsin and pull out a win there, it could be a very very interesting uh, final week of college football. It's not as interesting as you would think, though, because since uh, Ohio State's loss is on the other side of the conference, it's Michigan's pretty much. I, I don't think there's a. It's pretty impossible. Well, but what what if Michigan beats OSU? But then, so then you figure State's going to win out against Maryland and Rutgers, so then you have a three-way tie, and then you beat Michigan State versus Ohio State because you're right. I mean, everybody seems to be kind of just screwed, though. Either way you look at it, right? Pretty much. Everyone lost games that they shouldn't have lost. Michigan also needs State to drop one of the next two. It's a super confusing picture. For State, it was simple. You're talking talking about Penn State, right? What? Penn State. Michigan, Michigan needs Penn State to drop one. Is that, is no, they need Michigan State to drop one, so they have three Big Ten losses. Because if Michigan State wins out and they beat Ohio State, then the tiebreaker is going to go to Ohio State versus Michigan State because their losses are both to the Big Ten West. It's super complicated. Okay. Yeah, I'm yeah, yeah. Big Ten East. It, it's still it still kind of messes things up though. And you, if if you want to talk about oh yeah, everything's all kinds of jumbled right now. There could be end up at the end of the season. You could have four teams with two losses in the Big Ten East. Well, and if you want to talk about college football playoff implications, Iowa right now is at Wisconsin. If Iowa pulls out a win in Wisconsin, uh, now Wisconsin's got a loss, and that you know that kind of sets them back quite a bit because they're undefeated and no one's really giving them a fair shake. As far as being an undefeated team up in the top four, you know what I'm saying. Basically, so if Iowa wins, if Wisconsin doesn't win out, the Big Ten will not get a team in the college football playoff this year because Notre Dame's yeah. an at-large, so you're already going to miss two of the top uh, five conferences. And you know, Bam is going to Bam or Georgia is going to make it, and then you got to figure. I mean, I, I don't even know what the ACC picture. I don't know how Clemson's their loss to Syracuse well, is just horrible. Yet they're somehow ranked against an undefeated Wisconsin. I don't. We're getting right. getting off topic, but. So I think I think what you have there is a, a situation like you just mentioned. So they needed NC State to lose today, which they NC State won. Uh, if NC State would have lost, then Clemson would have clinched the North uh, Division of the ACC. Um, now, if Clemson can stick with it and they don't they don't lose uh, next week against Miami, uh, which Miami I'm assuming is a Southern team, um, you, you know I mean I think, I, I, I think Clemson actually. ends up coming out of the ACC is what they call it can I can I just throw one thing in there because the Big Ten seems to be kind of it's kind of dry turkey right now with all these wins and losses and all this stuff uh is it isn't it time to mix up the divisions is, yeah isn't I it mean time I mean isn't this a sign maybe to the mix east up? and west is uh it's outdated I like that you bring up this point Frank because with Michigan State losing and U of M's gonna roll Maryland today we don't have I mean college football isn't necessarily as exciting as it would be but yeah the big 10 needs to i think conferences need to stop doing the geographical like i get it back in the day they did it because of trips and traveling and stuff like that but we got airplanes now people i mean they got chartered jets for the michigan state Spartans to go out to the hawkeyes they don't take a bus you need to have the teams basically a draft type scenario where you put ohio state on one side i mean you can maybe throw wisconsin on the other but penn state or michigan state somebody should go over from the east to the west, I want it to be Michigan State personally because I like to go play those bums. But yeah, you know, but, when, but doesn't 
I mean, coming out of the East, though, I mean, don't don't you want the the big teams over there? So that way, if your team wins out, you know that without a doubt they they can end up in the top four. Yeah, but what you have so, is this war of attrition between the teams in the East, and then the East. Well, I see that Tony. Is probably going like, to win in the Big Ten title game, I mean, and then your conference. To Joey's credit, out. I understand what he's saying in principle because if you make it through those rigors undefeated, you know your team's actually pretty sick, but. Like Alabama did in the SEC a few years ago. Sometimes theory is better than real life. In real life, Michigan State had the year where they won the Rose Bowl. They didn't have to play Ohio State because they were in the legends, not the leaders. Their crossover game was uh, always Michigan for the rivalry game, so they didn't play Ohio State. So then they didn't have to play them in the regular season. When they saw them in the Big Ten title game, they had two weeks off to prepare or whatever, or a week, whatever it is, and they came ready to play. If they had played early in the season, it wouldn't look the same if they ended up meeting later. You know, It's almost... Yeah better for them that they didn't have to play Ohio State because that team was real slow rolling at the beginning of the season. They started getting it moving towards the end. I guess Well, a problem, a problem a you have, too, is Nebraska Nebraska needs to come back to being Nebraska. That, like that, that's a problem for the West. And then Iowa, they should be better than what they really are. You know what I mean? Like They're, they're kind of just playing spoiler anymore, and they're good at it. Yeah, but, that's uh, kind of their role. That, that, that's just... it. At the end of the day, Iowa's a spoiler. Wisconsin is, is a potential contender in the Big Ten. And then you have Nebraska, who should be a contender, but they end up just, you know, end up like a dead duck. Yeah, I mean, year. at the time they did, they figured it'd be Nebraska and Wisconsin as your big hitters, and then it'd be Ohio State and Michigan. And, I mean, I don't like Michigan. You guys know that. But they're a pretty solid squad. They're going to probably finish third or fourth in the Big Ten East this year. But they would definitely be number two in the Big Ten West. And they would probably give a Wisconsin if they had Wisconsin come to home and run for their money. I think this needs to be done in every conference, though, you know? Like, if you look at the ACC, Clemson's in at what, the north or whatever you refer to it as. I'm not sure if that's what it's called. But yeah, I think, I think they're like the Atlantic and the Coast or something Okay, like so one has Clemson and nobody else, and the other one has Miami. Florida State, Florida Miami. State, uh, Georgia Tech. Yeah. Louisville. Yeah, it's not really fair how that one's done. But this is all in co- – that's what I was asking before. This is all a contract for years to come, though, right? They can't really You change can it change yet. it up pretty much whenever you want. There's no – I mean, they have schedules set for the next couple of years, but you could make, say, in 2020 – if because you, you can look up your team's college schedule, who they're going to play, not necessarily what weeks or when, but you can look who they're scheduled to play for the next, like, four years in college football. They do a lot of planning. But in this scenario, we could uh, see – Maybe 2020, we have a realignment of conferences. I think they should look into it. But um, that, I mean, yeah. Well, I totally the, agree. I think we can all agree with the that. The Big Ten is a mess. But uh, let's talk about a team that actually has a little bit of hope, unlike our teams. Joe, why don't you, why don't you give a little bit on what's oh, going on with big one. Notre Dame, Miami, and, and their placing in the national perspective. with the only one with relevance left, seemingly. So, I mean, yeah, this is, this is the game right here, man. I mean, an undefeated Miami team on the road in Miami. Uh, it's a, it's a classic rivalry game between the two uh, programs, and it's it's one of those things where, in my mind, you know, some sometimes it looks great if you win big because then you, you you can throw that into the mix of like okay they played a good team and then they blew them out wow. so that's like another level of you know relevancy. But uh, it, in a game like this, you're on the road against an undefeated team. You just got to go in there and win the damn game. If if a W is on the board when it's all said and done, that's a quality win against a top ten ranked team. And, uh, and and that's what they got to do. They have to rely on their bread and butter, their offensive line, their running attack. That's been their, their strength on offense all year. And, and on defense, I think uh, their strength has been uh, responsibility and, and, and keeping it simple. And it's forced it's forced a few turnovers, and they've, they've been able to capitalize. So if they can do what, what's, what's made them successful all year and not get 
too cute or, or too fancy just because they're going to Miami in a big time game. Uh, they'll, I think they'll win. You know what I'm saying? I, I think they, they show that they could play very well on the road against a, a Michigan State team that I, I still think Michigan State is a pretty damn good football team this year, uh, regardless of what happened today. They, they've shown that they can beat other big programs. And, and uh, in Notre Dame, you know, they just they, they got it. They got to check this box, man, no, no matter what. Well, I'm actually, I, I mean it when I say it. I, I hope they do, because as far as college football goes, I think all of us on this side of the TV can pretty much yeah. agree that it's, there's just not much hope. You can hear it in our voice, and it's good to hear your voice with excitement in college football. Just nice change. So good for you. I tease you about them being thugs, which they are, but I hope they win, because Miami's even bigger thugs. Yeah, the only thing I like about Miami is that turnover chain. That's pretty sweet, but... um. But who have yeah. they played though? Honestly, no. I mean, like the thing is, who my, they racking wins they against? They talk about my. They're playing Florida State. Miami today. being good again at football or something like that. They always talk about like their rise back to prominence after they had these bad years. But the reason why Miami's been down for so long is the only time Miami's been relevant in the sport of college football is when they're paying have like pretty much an NFL roster. That was they sweet have a, though. You know what I mean? They did make sweet teams <laughs> and they had like what seven or eight first round picks. They're running back stable was just ridiculous. I still don't know how they couldn't pay a better quarterback than Ken Dorsey to go there, but the fact of the matter is Miami's a private school. It's on the beach. They only care about their football program when it's good. So these are all reasons not to like the Miami football team. Like we grew up and we had Ed Reed and Sean Taylor there and it was the U and so it was like right in our formidable years in our life. So we're supposed to like Miami. The fact of the matter is I don't like Miami. I dislike Miami. I dislike everything there is to dislike about Miami. And uh well, don't get it twisted. We don't like Notre Dame really either. But yeah, most I, days I don't. But today, I, I mean, you know, this is this a battle of who you'll after who don't my you team like gets more. blown out. I have to, especially on a Veterans Day. There's no way you can root against Joe's team in Notre Dame. I mean, that would just yeah, Joe's. You like might root, as well like just join the Taliban if you're going to do that. Yeah, I, I. That's what I'm saying. I think that uh, Joe's. He's earned it. He's a passionate fan, and we're pretty much out of the race, so let him go. Let him win. And I'd like to see Notre Dame get in the playoff and see what they can do if they have to get mashed up against the Bama or something like that. I'd like to really see that and see, because I think Notre Dame has played a lot of solid teams this year, but they haven't played any great teams, and I don't put Miami in the great bracket. Notre Dame might be great, but I don't Georgia. Know. I don't think Georgia's that good. I think Georgia's will... Slipper's going to fall off in the Cinderella. Was, you know what I'm talking was about? talking about Georgia at the beginning, but... We'll see. I mean, it's going to be good. the college football for Michigan State and U of M is pretty much done for the season. I'm still going to root for State to win out, hopefully get to 10 wins. But in terms of the crescendo for everybody else in college football, it's going to be an interesting, interesting last two months here and then an interesting playoff. So that's good. You have a lot of teams up at the top, some un, a lot of unknowns, like I said, Miami, fucking Notre Dame, Georgia. It's going to be fun. Well, I'm looking forward to it. So... Now it's time to get some of that excitement that Joe had into my voice because we're going to be talking about pro. pro Before we get to the pro, let's do our picks for tonight. Oh, yeah. Go ahead. I got Notre Dame uh, 31 to 10. I think they blow them out, honestly. And as you say, why stat-wise, they have a running back that's averaging 8.7 yards on 130 carries. Uh, Josh Adams right now is averaging 9 yards a carry. That's absolutely ridiculous. That's essentially... A second and one every fucking play, you hand him the ball. That's amazing. I'm proud of the kid. And they're really running the ball well behind that huge offensive line. I just got to go with my gut and my heart. I can't really give you a score, but um, I'm going to go with Notre Dame because I want them to win, and I think that they're better. And I want them to win because of Joe. So let's say Notre Dame by double digits. Tony, you next? Anybody next? Or I was going to. Jesus. <laughs> 
Uh, I figured Joe's next. <laughs> like going. Right. In Joe. Circle. Joe's the fan of the team, so he goes last. Remember, that's how we do the show for. God, ever cut his mic. Sorry, I was trying to uh, pull up the spread for the game real quick. But uh, yeah, no, I'm gonna go with uh, Notre Dame. Oh, thank you. It's tough. Uh, Damn. Yeah, Jer- really. Jerry, I love I love the score. I love the score you gave, and I'm 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 pretty close to yours. I'm going uh, Fighting Irish all the way, 35 to 17. Also, just a quick note for our listeners, Notre Dame is favored by three and a half points. Also, another reason why I think it's going to be 31 to 10, if you want to know why I think it's going to be so big, I think Notre Dame gets up early, and then last week they let their foot off the gas a little bit, and this, I mean, they've probably been running wind sprints all week, and they ain't going to be happy to run it next week, so they're going to keep the fucking foot on the gas both ways. Hate to be that guy, but you remember what happened last time we all picked the same team to win? But anyways, speaking of teams, since we're moving to NFL, <laughs> yeah. fast fact, on some sports site, NFL.com or some pro football focus, some crap like that, 88 out of 88 people who picked, picked the Lions to beat the Browns. Just a fast fact and a transition. Okay, well, good. Because you're making it hard for me to transition. So thank you for that. So the Lions, we talked about it on last show. Forward on the field. We talked about it on last, last week's show. Um that it was a must win. It was a win that they were three and four going in. You had the Vikings at six and two. We talked about the schedule that was coming up ahead and uh, it was a must win. So they go into Lambeau field Monday night and it wasn't, you know, it wasn't even close. The score indicated they got a late touchdown. The Packers did, but it wasn't close. Uh, Stafford picked him apart. We expected not to see much on the offensive side of the ball because of Rogers. Well, no, um, shit. Well, no shit. Rogers not but being in there. You think so? And, um, so they didn't show much, you know. He, she, the quarterback, what's his Hunter, showed some heart. Huntley, Huntley, Hunter showed some heart. But I mean, even on the defensive side of the ball, Stafford, I, th- I think his stats, he had over well over two hundred yards. Didn't have many incompletions. He just picked him apart, won the game. So now that changes everything. So going forward, I'll just kind of start off. The Lions are at four and four now. But if you really look at their schedule, they don't play anyone really, as far as especially at the quarterback position. If you just go down the list, starting tomorrow with the Browns. Um, Jerry just made the fact that 88 out of 88 people picked them. They're a double-digit favorite for the first time in, like, I think 15 years. Um, so that starts with the Browns. And if you really look at the Vikings schedule, we, we got the – and I'm, I say we being a Lions fan, the Lions have a much easier schedule going forward than the Vikings. There's just no getting around it. A lot of the teams that we had some tough games with and some losses to, the Vikings still got to go out and prove themselves against. We have a win over the Vikings – now that we got a win over the Packers, that puts us undefeated in the division. Point being, the Lions control their own destiny. They have a very fortunate schedule going forward. The worst is over, and it all starts with the Browns tomorrow. Guys, your thoughts? Um, well, one thing that you can go, Joe. I just want to say, in the beginning of the season, all the talk around here, and specifically on ninety-seven, the ticket was if they can come through the first eight games, go four and four. That back half is super easy, and it still looks super easy. And I think this might be the time the Lions get it rolling out to you in Seattle, Joe. So I think I completely agree with you guys, uh, for one. And two, I think if you look at a broader scope of just the NFC in general, I I think the Saints are a little inconsistent. The Eagles are probably going to run away with it in their division. Um, So, I mean, you can kind of put that away. Atlanta does not look like Atlanta from last year, so that's good for Detroit. And uh, and Seattle just lost uh, Richard Sherman. For the season, and um, out, yeah. and and so you're gonna, I think you're gonna see how good Richard Sherman is 
uh, and how exposed that secondary could become without him. And that, you know, they Seattle Seattle is a little wishy-washy too, man. They're not the most consistent team in, in the land. Um, so when you have a downfall of some of these teams, this is the opportunity uh, Detroit needs and, and, and to not fuck it up uh, so they can go win themselves some football games and put them in, in, a, in a good position to get in the playoffs here. Uh, one other team, though, that to, to keep an eye on the NFC, though, is the L.A. Rams. Uh, they've yeah. they figured something out, uh, and and what they what they figured out right now at least is how to put points on the on the board. Um, these guys are scoring at the rapid rate, and uh, I, I don't know if the Lions play them at all uh, up, upcoming at the end of the year or anything. But uh, look out for LA out there out west, uh, Eagles out east, and I think Detroit man uh, with, with a with a not so good Chicago team, a very 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 uh, beat up Packers no. team. And then, uh, and then Minnesota is going to be their biggest challenge. And I think I think they can take apart Minnesota if Minnesota's got that tough Minnesota schedule, like you said, once. Frank. Yep, in Minnesota. <laughs> yep, we got them at so, home. So no, I just want to say yeah. two two more things. The two the two big words, the two big points with the Lions is um, schedule and division. And because if, if you look at right now, if you took the schedule and the division out of it, you just look at the NFC and you look at the records, you'll see a lot of teams, especially like I, I was watching that Thursday night game. I was one of the 10 that were watching it. But yeah, um, you know, you look at a lot of these teams, you'll see a lot of teams with three, four wins, four and four, three and four, three and five, five and three. So like there's a lot of depth as far as records go in the NFC in general. But if you look at the Lions schedule ahead, like I said, it's super easy. Uh, and the, the winning the division will secure that home playoff spot. You can't worry about all these teams because there are some good teams. Like the Rams are one of my – I see you on that. Um, they are playing really well. And there's some teams like in the NFC South that have some records. It's going to be a rat race to win these divisions. So we can focus on our schedule and our division. We haven't lost in the division yet. We've had some ups and downs along the way as far as the season goes. But stay consistent. Win the easy games, which are most of them, if not all. And then get that division – and uh, get a home playoff thing. And there's only a certain amount of teams that can make the playoffs. And there's a lot of depth in the NFC as far as wins. But just focus on the task at hand, the division at hand. I think the Lions, it's all set up for them. Stafford being the highest paid player in the NFL. It's all set up for them to succeed and not fail. I think it's in their hands, man. There's no excuse. Yeah, I mean, No excuse they, not to win. If they blow this one, it's pretty much, I mean, the no excuse. They, they, at this point, they've spotted the Vikings two games. You know, they are not back by two, but they're going to play them so you can get one back right there. Whoever wins on Thanksgiving essentially has the inside track to win this division pretty easy on the way what out. What do you mean they've spotted the Vikings two games? The Vikings are 6-2 and two and the Lions are 4-4, four and four, Tony. Right. Okay, so they're two games behind. Yeah. Okay, so, okay, well, so here we go, boys. I got, head head. I, got, I got a couple schedules pulled up here. Okay, so yeah. Frank, to, to your credit, here we go. The Vikings have the red at the Redskins. Tough game. Like I just mentioned, they're playing at home versus the Rams, Tough so their game. defense better show up. Uh, Thanksgiving in in uh, in Motown, huge game. Yeah, they have a Murs Row right here. Three games on then the road. They're they're gonna go to Atlanta. Then they're gonna go to Carolina. Tough. tough uh, I tough think they destroy the Bengals because the Bengals just are not very good. Uh, but yeah, man. I mean, that's they're a playing tough in schedule, three. Bro. That's a tough. Yeah, they're, they're, yeah, they're going into three dens that uh, are, are not so friendly. And I mean, if the Val- you know if the Falcons can play as well as they have at home, um, like most most of the time, but yeah, that, that's a, that's a tough schedule. All all except for the Bengals, all those teams are very very tough games. And then I flip over to the Lions schedule. Yeah, pull that one up. Uh, uh, they they got the Browns, the yeah. Bears uh, at home against the Vikings, which is very winnable. Tough defense against Baltimore, but they sh- they should win. 
uh, a should win against Bucks, Bears again, Bengals, and then uh, at home against the Packers. So Bro, that's the yeah. firing squad. If the Lions Bro, target play practice. the way they should play, they only have two games yeah. they might lose. That's home versus the Vikings and on the road at Baltimore. That's going to be a tough game. If Baltimore is still in and out, then they're always a tough beat uh, in they have got City. To, it's yeah, just they, um, they've the got to they've got to match their uh, they've got to match what their roster has on paper. You know what I'm saying? They, they I think they get yeah. their tackle back, the uh, Deckers. Galladay's uh, got to come back. At yeah, Decker just got activated. I'm not Woo! sure if he's playing, no. but he's uh, active. Because he tweeted right? activated. That means like I'm Frankenstein's monster getting activated, which is actually kind of funny. I respect him. If the if the, if the the team on paper shows up on the field, uh, they, they should win 90% of those games. What's crazy is the only reason why anybody's being hesitant is just because how they've played in the red zone. Abdullah fumbling and stuff like that. They've made, just made some bonehead moves. Even in a win... And the road at the Packers. I mean, the Packers are absolutely god awful without Rodgers. Or maybe, We've said that a million you know, times, but there's still the criticism the next day when you win thirty to seventeen, and it's just this team needs to rally and get things motivated. I think they need somebody in the, like they need a strong locker room guy to get the team a little bit more rolling. But we're gonna talk about a team that's actually rolling. We haven't mentioned at all is the Saints, and they look like Saints and Eagles look like the class of that NFC right now. If you ask me, if we're just gonna talk about a broader playoff picture, but. Also talking about the playoff picture, if you look at the teams that might make in the playoffs, the only teams I think that the Lions struggle with are the Eagles and the Saints. Other than that, if they get the right schedule, they can beat the Rams. If they get the Seahawks to come to Detroit because they're going to be a wild card team, probably, they can beat them. They're not fucking impossible. And then what do you got? The fucking Panthers, they're beatable. And then Vikings, you already beat them. We, we played really good in the first half against the Panthers. And then it was like we took our foot off the gas in the second half. We weren't getting after Newton like we did in the first half. And then Newton picked us apart in the second half. That's what happened in that game. And then they almost had their little miracle comeback like they always do, but it was yeah. close. But Stafford was also really banged up. To Jerry or to what Jerry said, though, I thought the Eagles, at first, like I thought they were like they were last year. I thought they were fra- oh, me fraudulent, too. but they proved to be pretty good. So I will give you that. But to Joe's credit, um, I think the, the Saints are inconsistent. They have but looked good as of late, but in that, even in the game against the Lions, they've guys, won six that was one of the ugliest. I know. I'm just saying that it's not as of late. That's a month and a half. I'm. Well, if you let me finish, man, I, I was trying to let you finish too. But they didn't look. That was one of the ugliest games I've ever seen in my entire life when they played the Lions. They've won six in a row, but I mean, some of them are were easier wins than others. But um, I just don't think that they're uh, as big of a threat as the Eagles. Is all I was really trying to say. Oh, I mean, yeah. Are you a Saints fan now that the Packers are out? Or no, I fucking hate the Saints. All right. Well, geez, man. I don't switch teams. My teams down. I'm rooting for. I gotta be a Lions. Why don't fan you move to New Orleans? All right. Why don't you go go put some beads on? Well, and uh, I, I thought I thought the Saints. Uh... I'll never didn't leave play anywhere so, didn't where play so well either. cities blow water. I don't, I don't think the Saints played as well either against the the Packers in, in uh, Lambeau with with you know missing Rodgers and also, uh, you know it's it's one of those things where, you know what's going to happen down the stretch here. Um, yeah, we'll see. We will see. I mean, we can only go by the, our schedule, and we'll see the Saints again if they can sack up and. They see us in the playoffs, and we'll, we'll see them again. We'll I, get I, them back for that. That was the ugliest game. I ever. don't like we'll see to say again. like that was blue. Never record game. I think this that's a bad thing to ever say. Never, but if the Lions can't win the division this year with a horrible Bears team, no Aaron Rodgers, and no starting quarterback in Minnesota, hey Teddy, it Bridgewater's might never happen. Back. Yeah, but see Teddy Bridgewater. I think that's going to throw a 
wrench in the whole mix of things. I don't know. I hope he does come back, dude. Well, they said they're going to deal. They don't even have a quarterback. Period. Over there, they said they're going to give Case Keenum until he proves that he can't handle it. Case Keenum's actually going to be the starter in that system. Stafford runs the division. He's the highest paid guy. If he doesn't do it, Jerry's right. I I said it. It's in the a beginning. quarterback. If he doesn't get it, he he should win. And the Lions have the best quarterback, and it's not even close. Left standing in the division. Yeah, there's no excuse. I said it before. You're there's just... no excuse. The whole season's in front of them. Season's half over. It's it's in the Lions. It's on a silver platter for the Lions. I don't really. We can't. We can zero beat excuses. Down. Zero excuses. So I also don't want uh, fans to think that we're just going to neglect the Packers now that Aaron Rodgers is out. But there's not much to say besides that. Uh, I got plenty to say. I'm really trying to put uh, money on them <laughs> losing every game until Rodgers comes back. Man, they. Just, I mean, Hunley is a failed experiment at the backup quarterback. Now they're going to find a new backup quarterback. The only good news is, like I said last week, some good draft picks out of it. But I mean, you put a fork in him, bro. It's just well. What surprised ugly. me was they're playing the Bears this week, and the Bears are absolute garbage. I mean, they literally won a game where their quarterback completed only four passes because their defense scored two touchdowns. Ah, their defense is doing all right in Chicago. Ever since that Thursday night game, they've been looking all right. But yeah, I looked at it. The Bears are favored by five and a half points. They sh- dude, Brent Hundley can't. I think he's completed seventeen total passes like in his NFL career. Man, he stinks. He's garbage. I got. I want to just say one thing about the Packers, and I'm, I'm not going to uh, kick someone while they're down. This is just a professional thing to say, and it wouldn't even be right if I didn't say it because I'd be letting them off the hook. It's just a sports show, but uh, I said it a number of times on this show that the organization put too much heavy lifting on perhaps the best player in the world. They just put it all. Aaron Rodgers is going to do this. He's going to win it for us. He's going to win. And then he goes out, and they come against on a Monday night stage off a bye, at home. I don't care if you lost your best quarterback. You had more than enough time to prepare and put on. I mean, 30-17, to 17, it sounds okay, but it wasn't that close. We all know it. And you come out there and you just get stopped. Not only your offense looks bad with a backup quarterback, who you definitely got to get rid of, but your defense, man. You get picked apart. Stafford only threw like maybe four incompletions, and that's just the fact, man. You had a long time to prepare. Your best guy was down, and he got stomped in front of everyone. So I'm and sorry, And if you would have switched the situation, no, no. and Aaron Rodgers would have been playing for Green Bay, and Jake Rudock would have been playing instead of Matt Stafford, the Lions probably would have gotten destroyed as well. Maybe. Yeah, but Maybe. I, I get what Our defense has always shown Without Rodgers, the Packers don't have a shot. With I mean, you put Rudock in there, your defense might be able to carry. The fact of the matter is it's just been a matter of attrition for the Packers. They're getting older. You know, and they're, they've put nah. all their faith into these defensive draft picks, and most of them honestly haven't panned out. They, they had a couple heavy hitters back in the day with Matthews and Rodgers and Mike Daniels, but they've missed on a lot of picks, like Quentin Rollins, for example. Demarius Randall doesn't look that good. Kevin King actually looks good, but the, it's just a matter of attrition, and it's not. They never purposely put everything on Rodgers. I don't like to think of it that the management did that. What they did was they tried to put everything on defense because they knew their offense would be fine with Rodgers. The fact of the matter is. Hunley's just that bad. It's not that it was bad planning. There's nothing you can do out of Iowa. Hunley wouldn't be a backup on any other team. They just well, that just goes like to show my point, guy. though. Like you can't prepare. You put it all on Rodgers. Yeah, no, I, I get it because the Vikings are down to their third string quarterback, and they're now looking at a six and two record. That'd be amazing if the Packers third stringer could do something like that. But it's just not their team is Rodgers or bust. The same way the Colts were freaking uh luck, uh, luck or bust or Peyton Manning or bust. It's just. How but even with the defense, though, tables turn sometimes. you got Golden Tate and Marvin Jones almost getting 300 between the two of them, brother. I mean, yeah, I, I know their defense is. That, I, I've said it all season. This team would only go as far as the defense could take them because Rogers last year, the Packers lost one game in which they uh, 
defense gave up less than 31 points. So basically, as long as you didn't give up 31, the Packers were going out there and winning. The defense has been the problem for the last couple of years. It sucks, but... I mean, oh, what are you going to do about it? Huntley sucks. I mean, we had to cover him. We had to cover him. I wasn't kidding. I, I think, I think the biggest thing here for the for Green Bay, and you, you talked about the draft picks and stuff like that, is they they just need that season where they're drafting high, man. Like they go get a couple uh, of really solid guys, a high first rounder and a high second rounder. Maybe that kind of turns the tide. You get Rodgers back, but you're right. I mean, Rodgers is he's kind of by himself up there in that offense and. He he hasn't been the only injury either. You look at the laundry list of uh, of guys that have gone down in Green Bay. There's some significant names, uh, at least in the Green Bay roster, that have gone down. So, uh, like like Jerry's mentioning, uh, like the attrition there. It's uh, you you, you lost Rodgers, and that, I think that was just kind of like the cherry on top of the Sunday there, man. I mean, it was just there's a lot of dudes down, and it's one of those things where. Oh, uh, Joey actually just froze out. Believe it or not, there's not. Uh, what I think Joe, what he was trying to say basically was uh, he's coming back in. Well, what he was trying to say is Rogers was a big mask for an ugly thing that was getting covered up, and when he went away, it got exposed. I Am think, I back? I think that might be the wrong. Yeah, you're back, Joe. Analogy for the sounds situation. like you're back. I, w- I wasn't saying he was a mask. I was just saying like he he was the cherry on top of the Sunday that uh, of a laundry list of injuries. So you don't you guys that, don't think he you know, was masking a problem that was that got exposed? You know, I don't. I don't think so. I thought. I think he had solid receivers. I mean, New England proved that they didn't really need a, a home run hitter like a Calvin Johnson or or anyone on their receiving core to to win a Super Bowl. You know, what I mean, they they had good receivers, and yet, uh, if his line's healthy, he's got a pretty decent offensive line. But Brian Balag is out for the year. Bakhtiari just came back. I mean, if those two guys are healthy and they're in the in the in the on the offensive line, uh, I think it's a much different offense. Maybe even better than what we saw. Early in the first four games, Stafford's the most and then the defense quarterback in the league, brother. I don't, I don't know. No, it's all, I don't no, want to get the Packers. The Packers are done. The only thing I just, I, I, I literally just, I I'm can't just saying, believe. like it wasn't Rodgers isn't the only injury here that's that's downing the team. Like, there's there's a laundry list of other guys that got hurt, and it, it's kind of screwing them over. Yeah, another thing that sucks is it looked like they finally had a r- little bit of a running game this year in um, Aaron Jones, and I, it's just their season's just a total wash. Honestly, there's yeah. nothing they can do. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. If I was making these kind of th- excuses for the Lions, I'd get thrown off the air. But. I, well, I, I don't know what you're You make these kind of excuses I don't know for the Lions all the time. I get bashed for it all the what, time. What I hear about it at the bar. I hear about it online. I hear about it all the time being a slappy. The Packers roster you are without Aaron Rodgers is a bottom three roster in the league. With Aaron Rodgers, they're top 12. That's how good of a player he is, and it speaks to his greatness. All right. I was just I calling out the organization for letting that happen because it doesn't happen overnight. Well, I'm saying I don't think it was their fault. I mean, they do need to get some new evaluators of talent, but... We agree to disagree. And it's not man. like Denial's they powerful. are paying him all kinds of money. I mean, they are paying him a yeah, lot. It would be but. nice to be the. Vikings I think he should leave. We should just, really be talking about that. His contracts do up. I think he should be exploring other teams. If you want to really talk about that, but I don't want to talk about the Packers too much. But he could actually get out of there and go play for a good team who doesn't do that bullshit. Yeah, I don't think he is going to leave because that's not the person that really makes me sad. But um, it's possible. I mean, fuck, man, much shit. I think you get the same, if not I more, money and go play for. If I was how much would Jacksonville pay for him? I that defense. Fucking, uh, that defense. You don't think they'd like no, Rodgers down uh, there? No state taxes. You're making me lose my train of thought here. If I was Rodgers, I'd retire right now. I got my Super Bowl. I got everything done with all the CTE and stuff like that. I'd walk away. I would say, you know, I broke my collarbone twice. It's over. I'd move to Florida and not pay any state taxes and have a sweet defense and people that care about me. But yeah, and Allen Robinson as receiver. That w- I mean, I would do the same thing if I was Rodgers. I would do the exact same thing. I'm not. Gonna, what do you mean, lie? Would you be I a Jaguar? Would you be a Jaguars fan? Dude, fuck yeah. Would I be a, <laughs> if Rodgers left? Fuck no. I'm loyal to my team. I'm saying, but if I was Rodgers, 
I would dip. Guaranteed. It would not, without a question. Did Joe hang up on us or what? No, we all no, lost Joe. him. We're going to break and get him back if anybody else says anything. All right. Well, NFL. we wrap up the NFL. We'll move on to some UFC and some Red Wings fighting and hockey. Who loves? Who doesn't love that? We'll be right back. RSF. RSF. And we're back. With the new studio comes a little bit of technical difficulties, but we got Joe back, right? Joe, can you confirm that? I'm back. I'm all back. right. Welcome back. back. So covered college, covered pro. Um, now we're going to jump into the UFC. We're coming off, and then the Red Wings, of course, at the end. But uh, we're coming off. A week, about a week past of the uh, probably the in recent memory the best card I've seen uh, ever, you know, in my lifetime. But I mean, there's been some great cards. But last week, UFC 217 from Madison Square Garden was awesome. You had three belts on the line. Uh, even the two fights before that, we got to see a couple good fights. But three belts on the line, all three underdogs take it down. We made our predictions, and um, I don't know about you guys, I went one for three, but three belts change hands. You know, we got to see TJ and Cody go at it. That was a, a blast. I'd like to see that one again down the road. Uh, I was wrong about Bisbing, but, man, good for GSP coming back after four years. He's going down as one of the greatest of all time. And, uh, man, those women duking it out. Who would have thought that Rose, none of us picked Rose to knock out um, Joanna. So just three great fights, and we had a great yeah, time. Yeah, I mean, I said that I thought Rose had a shot, but I was just like, I just don't think she's ready yet. She's... Well, you Still all, young. You, you tend to walk the fence on a lot of things, Tony. Yeah, no, yeah. she jacked her up, man. I didn't know who she was, honestly. <laughs> so that's why I picked. Like, I knew Jay she was, her. but I just thought, you know, maybe I thought. Yeah, like Frank said, you like to walk the fence. That's fine. Well, just no, don't, I'm saying own it, Tony. Be who you are and own it. God, she looks good with long hair. By the way, you guys ever see her with long hair back in the day? Yeah, Whew. man. But she needs ditch Pat Barry. Man, he's too old for her. But um, anywho, let's talk about the actual fighting. That's off the field stuff, but. Go ahead. I, I just kind of gave a breakdown of I mean, it. It was a, awesome. We showed our boys. turned hands. I mean, you saw uh, TJ Dillashaw get saved by the bell in the first round. Then Cody leaves his chin out there a little too far. He gets caught by a kick. Never really recovered. And ends up getting knocked out by Dillashaw. And then in the finals, you saw Bisbee. It looked like GSP handily won round one. Then Bisbee comes back in round two. Wins that round. And then round three, I believe, is when he got him, right? Yeah, round three is when he got round him. Round three. He lands a shot, Bisbing's face out there too far, and then he gets him, and then eventually puts him in a rear naked. Yeah. Yep, and Bisbing didn't tap and went out. Went out like a gangster with his chamber empty. He didn't tap. I mean, those and all three of those fights, man, all of them. I mean, you could talk about them individually like Jerry just did, but all three of them, man, they were good quality fights. Yeah, Whether it be a knockout, that's always sweet to see. An unexpected knockout. I don't know what the odds were on that. And then a great fight between the two, uh, the two rivals. You know, there's a lot of passion and emotion. You could just feel it from the second they stepped into the cage. So the second it was over, even after the fight, and then yeah, the the Bisbing and GSP man, what a, what a war, man! Bisbing or GSP was bleeding everywhere. Yeah, man, I've never seen anything. GSP GSP is old school, man. He had Bisbing on the ground, and rarely did somebody win when they're on their back on the ground. And Bisbing was just landing shots on GSP, and GSP just tucked his fucking head into Bisbing's gut and just ate a rain of blows. Like that's old school fighting. They're just eating the shots and not fucking doing anything else about it. And then eventually tiring him out and getting him with the shot. It was crazy because they're saying Bisping's actually winning from the bottom and stuff. He opened gashes above his eyes. GSP's bleeding everywhere. I always thought of GSP as a little bit more of a pretty boy. But after that fight, I mean, he's the true warrior, man. He's fucking old school, bro. I was just going to say, he kind of like beat Bisping to his credit. If he did win one thing, he kind of beat the uh, emotion a little bit out of GSP. Because GSP is so politically correct and he's just so robotic. And that's kind of why I don't like him. But after the fight and his interview... He was just kind of like, I mean, he was swearing a little bit, which he hardly ever does. He's like, sorry for swearing. And he's just like, man, I wouldn't want to do that again. Talking about how, how much pain he was in. 
And it kind of just, you got to see a little bit of the real guy come out because when you get into a war like that, it's hard to just mask oh, yeah. yourself. You can do all that stuff in the media, but that was a war, man. That Even was a Wonder tough Boy guy. looked good on, uh, well, GSP the- in his post-fight interview and they said, you know, let's take a look at this. And he said, good, because I don't remember, like... He was basically telling you, yeah, I'm concussed right now. Yeah, I don't remember out. what happened. Yeah, no, he went there ate a lot of shots. I think a lot of it speaks to uh, just the gen- uh, Dana White's general motive to have good fights so everybody's interested again in the UFC. Like, they know if they don't go out there and perform at a high level and do something crazy, they might not get another shot for a while. I wanted, to ask, I wanted to ask Joe something about it, though. Joe, did you, did, you, did you see the card or at least highlights of it? I saw highlights of the, the GSP yeah. fight. And I was going to mention, like... That's what I, how, to, to, how about how big he was? I just want... Because you're studying that stuff and training and all that. How... He looked like a freaking tank. And he yeah, I mean, he, he's always right looked way. a lot... He's always looked pretty big to me. I, I thought he was big for a welterweight. Especially and, big. And they, they fought at middleweight, right? Yeah, they were at 185. Yeah, so yeah. I, I think... Uh, I think he probably fought it away. He's a little bit more comfortable in, to be honest with you. Because um, he had to cut a lot to fight at the welterweight. And you, you used to see when he used to fight Matt Hughes... Um, he didn't do as good against Matt Hughes when, when Matt Hughes was in his winning ways um, down at that weight. But uh, up at middleweight, I think he's a little bit more comfortable. He's able to put on the muscle he a little bit. He said uh, the exact opposite after the fight, though. He said he feels a little too big, and it's not his natural weight. He wants to go back down a little He looked abnormal oh, did he? to yeah. me. He looked... He just looked I, like a freak almost to me. He was yeah, like a tank. I, I think you're right, though. He does look more comfortable there. I think the fact of the matter is he's trying to pick and choose his shots now that he's on his like retirement yeah. tour, basically. And he doesn't want to fight some up-and-coming guys in 185. He wants to go down and maybe well, he, have a super fight with Woodley. Yeah, he probably just didn't like dealing with a guy that you know was probably a little heavier than him in that fight. Uh because it's probably around more of his natural weight. You know, he's probably got to cut down to the welterweight, and then he and then he's fighting a dude. He's probably a little bit bigger than. Uh, at the welterweight division, but I, I mean, honestly, to to your point, Jerry, about about big fights uh, and, and uh, Dana White putting together big fights, like it, a huge, huge credit to to GSP for going out there and winning that fight. Because if you think about it, if he loses, then we're we're probably sitting here being like, hey, what what the hell is Dana White doing right now? He's bringing some guy that's been out of the game for four years into fight, and then he just got tore apart. Like, what, what are we what are we doing here, guys? You know what I'm saying? But now he comes in and wins. And, and that changes the whole dynamic of yeah. it. So now it's like, oh, yeah. Like, and and it, now, it now we're a, all sitting here like, holy shit. Jesus still fight fucking too, got it, is, man. Either way, if Bisbing had blown him out, you'd been like, why the fuck would you give a fighter four years off that shot? Dan White should have been smarter. Or let's see, GSP walks in and blows Bisbing out. And it's like, why was Bisbing ever the champion? Like, he's a fake champion. But it was a good fight between two warriors. Yeah, and it, it, it makes everybody sport. look like a genius except for Michael Bisping. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, but uh, even Bisping went out, like I said, he went out gangster, man. He, it's not like he got washed over. A lot of people give Bisping a... Oh, he's a tough dude. Yeah, they take a, a lot of credit dude. away from him because, I mean, he kind of, he, he just seized an opportunity to get the belt. You know, he took it on two weeks notice to knock out Rod Cold and all that. And, you know, but he's been around for a long time. He's, t- like you said, he's tough as nails and it's not like he got <laughs> the floor mopped with him. You know, he, he didn't even tap out and it was the third round. He yeah. really butchered his face, man. Like, I really thought it was going to be over. You know, I thought he won. I, not, yeah, and, and credit to Michael Bish. I, I think he'll definitely go down as one of the better fighters in, in the UFC for, you know, ages and ages because, I mean, the guy just fights anybody. But, uh, you, you know, I, once again, to, to come off a four-year break, you know, we, we talked about the oh, four yeah. years being the you know the rusty factor being the thing that would that would uh hold up gsp because he's such a great fighter but just not getting in the octagon for an actual bout um man did we get proved wrong i think we all picked bisping last week and uh yeah i did i know that yeah I I I, GSP. gsp came in there and got him yeah i think jerry did pick gsp but um 
if you look at it, oh, from the, if you look at it from the business standpoint, which you guys were kind of talking about a little bit, I think Jerry brought it up. It's a, uh, it's a win for the UFC because you got GSP. He used to be the pay per view guy. He's back, and they kind of got a star. I mean, Cody and DJ. Cody, you could say was more marketable. They probably would have liked him to win from a marketing standpoint. But still, with TJ, he's a you know fairly still young. He's handsome. He's going to go try to get the double belt with Mighty Mouse down there. I don't think he can hide anymore. That'll be a. That's still marketable. And then with with Rose, I don't know how far that bit she's playing with world peace and the niceness is going to go. I think Joanna was definitely more marketable, but at least they got a win with GSP. TJ's a pretty good win, and I think Rose, if she just, you know, she can still be a nice girl and all that stuff, but I think the people are really going to attach to her if she just bees herself because she seems yeah, to be pretty cool. Yeah, she's a pretty good backstory. Too. I mean, it's actually a horrible backstory for her, but in terms yeah. of, like, she's a good inspiration. Well, the kind of stuff you'd make a movie out of, like... Truth is strange. She can fiction. be nice and still be marketable. She was uh, molested as a child, right, Tony? Yes. So she has a lot of pain that she's fighting behind, and you know she could spread a lot of awareness now at this level that like you can recover from bad things that happened to you when you're a child, and it doesn't have to uh, negatively affect the rest of your life. You can move past the stuff, and you always remember it. But there's is positives that come out of everything. I think you're supposed to say abused now. I don't think you're supposed to say molest anymore, but it's the same thing. I think that's like saying yeah. No, she's R just a, somebody you can put your. Uh, uh, so we can get behind a uh, good story to root for. That's and a, she's American, which I like. While being nice, <laughs> while being nice, you can. That's very rare. You can be a, like the nice person and still no, be. No, the marketable. UFC definitely had a win with two seventeen, and they they need a lot of wins right now. <laughs> yeah, they needed that for sure. But it was awesome, and we can talk about the uh, card coming up in Detroit here, like at another time. We have more time. It's gonna be sweet. Yeah, I mean, we still well, got a little time the, till the, that rolls around. Biggest thing is they needed a win on a card that didn't feature Conor McGregor. Right. And that's a whole other story, too. That story that, that broke that's, last that's night. He had caused a scene at some Bellator event, too. We'll have to talk about that next week because that's a whole other thing because he's in some red tape right now as far as legal. He pushed a referee, and there's a little teaser for you guys. We'll talk about that next week. But um, all right, Joe, it's your time to shine. It's red the, wings. It's the end of the segment. Red wings. And, or the end of the show, the last segment, and it's the best for last, sir. It's, it's for you, for Veterans Day, for all the veterans out there. We're talking red wings. We'll go to a veteran heavy team. I have team. no idea what's going on with them right now, so I'm actually going to be listening to you very closely. So go ahead. Okay, well, with that being said, Frankie, the Wings are 8-8-1, eight, eight, uh, fourth in the Atlantic Division. Uh, right now they have oh. the Blue Jackets, Flames, Sabres, and Avalanche uh, on tap. They're playing the Blue Jackets today. And, uh, yeah, I mean, the record the record speaks for itself. I think, you know, we didn't predict a very – uh, high-end season for these guys but you know Damn. efforts by the, the younger forwards uh is what we're kind of hoping to look at look at mantha larkin i don't think they've disappointed thus far i think those two players have played very well athanasiu coming back has helped out the team with his speed and his forecheck ability uh and then martin Furk is still around but uh tyler batuzzi finally got healthy from a wrist injury and uh it, uh Yevgeny is starting to score again uh in the minors after he came back from an injury so I think those two guys near the end of the year make a push to get up that starting lineup. Uh, Ferk has kind of like a skating. Uh, his skating kind of restricts his other abilities. Um, he's got he's got one of like those Ovechkin shots, but Ovechkin can skate. You know what I'm saying? So he's he's always a threat with the puck, uh, regardless of where he is. And I think that's what kind of hinders Ferk on the power plays is his inability to kind of move and, and get himself into the right area. Um, Did he just score again the other night though? Oh, he did, but I mean, at the end of the day, man, like, it's it's a one-dimensional thing, you know what I'm saying? Like, if if you get Bertuzzi in the lineup, he, he can he can kind of plug and play anywhere, and so can Sveshnikov. So, um, you, you might see a changing of the guard as the season goes on. I don't know. 
Um, other than that, like the, the team just needs defense, man. It'd be the best thing for him would be to, to miss the playoff again. Uh, trade trade Mike Green and Nyquist for maybe top some some uh, good draft picks and uh, and load them up in this year's uh, stacked draft class. What's, wow. you, so. n- switching topics a little bit off the Red Wings to the Western Conference, I, this is just a blows my mind. The Phoenix Coyotes or Arizona Coyotes have won two games or 213-3 to amass a total of seven points. The Las Vegas Golden Knights one state north, basically. They say, fucking, the reason why the Coyotes suck is because playing in the desert, they don't have any fans, nobody wants to go there, blah, 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 blah. Golden Knights are sitting there 10-5-1 and one as an expansion team. They're That's probably just, all on coke. <laughs> I mean, well, you got to remember, too, the expansion draft, they can they get their pick of anyone who's unprotected. And there are some quality, quality players that were left unprotected due to either cap issues or, uh, or, or just not enough room. You know, teams had to consider their futures. So you have a guy like... Uh, like Neil from Nashville, who's a big part of that offense going to the Stanley Cup final, uh, he gets left unprotected. Now he's scoring goals for the uh, you know the, the Vegas Knights. So they got some good veterans in that lineup, and then of course they drafted high. So now they got some good young kids in, in the mix too, and uh, and they're, they're stacked on defensemen. There there are some teams out there that were stacked defensively, and they were just kind of hanging on to those pieces, you know, maybe to trade. But when it came to the summertime. Uh, they couldn't get what they wanted. They had a, they had a, could only protect uh, I think uh, three defensemen, and uh, and Vegas got their picks. So yeah, I mean Vegas I right now. That, but look at any other expansion. It's a young man's Sorry, game too. It, it is, and you know the the excuses in Arizona. I, I I think it's a little silly that Arizona is where they are, and it, and it really makes me question what what's really going on behind the scenes. You know, like do some teams there? are some teams like kind of trying to bomb out on purpose i thought the same thing about colorado last year colorado had some dudes up front that should have been scoring a lot more goals than they did um it, it, it's really kind of mind-boggling man like when, when certain teams have certain guys and you're only winning so much like it, it really kind of i don't know it makes me question what they're really trying to accomplish by the end of the year did at least the red wings are competing and they'll get what they get is gretzky but still I, over there I, I, I just don't know. Is he's, no, is he, no. I don't that was a temporary thing? Okay. Gretzky's actually involved in Edmonton. He's, uh, I think he's mentoring uh, McDavid. Oh, nice. Of course. It's just crazy when you look at that, when you see other expansion teams like the Texas, Texans come in or even the Browns still suck. The Jaguars sucked at first. They did have a couple good years with Mark Brunel, but most of the time expansion teams come in and win maybe. like They should have been like 8 and 70 or something, but they already got 10 wins. It's kind of incredible. Yeah, the, the old expansion... Uh, format i think was a little bit different when it wasn't there was no salary cap so you know when carolina came around i think detroit uh dished off some someone and uh and they're still gonna be fine because they're off signing you know a couple other people for 10 mil a year uh so it's you know you could replace that dude in a, in a summertime but uh th- this time around it's it's very very tight you know with the cap and in, in the league and stuff and uh that that's where a lot of your, your i guess your league parity comes from um so you have to rely on good coaching and, and uh good drafting but ultimately uh i mean at the end of the day we're 500 right now boys and uh we'll, we'll see what happens all right man it's always nice to hear your passion and enthusiasm keeping everybody informed on red wings hockey um i'm gonna do a little try to personally do a little better to keep up on them but i i still got the fan in me i i even though we're 500 you kind of said the record speaks for itself i'm still hoping that uh maybe a miracle or something can happen and we can just go on a huge streak i don't know speaking of I mean, miracles, the young, young forwards look uh, good i mean the Pistons look like a little bit of a miracle. They're starting out the season pretty hot, riding a five-game winning streak too. Another Detroit 93. team. 
What's crazy is even though they're doing all right, the LCA Dome, they thought maybe the first year it'd be tough to get Pistons tickets, but I guess they're not selling anything for the Pistons. Yeah, no, I've, I've definitely heard of some pretty good deals out there on Pistons tickets. And one thing that has really helped them this year is uh, Andre Drummond worked a lot in the offseason on his free throw shooting. So now instead of shooting 40%, he's shooting like 75% from the free throw yes. line. Jesus. Yeah. What's his face? Um, That's like uh, 20 extra points a game. I want to give a shout out to the Northern Florida. I don't know their mascots. Last night they got beat by Michigan State by like 31, 32, something like that. But they're going a back-to-back down to Ann Arbor tonight to get clobbered again. So shout out to those boys for fucking having the stones to just get ass-blasted back-to-back nights. I mean, take a night Who is this? What? Uh, Northern Florida. They played Michigan State in basketball last night. Now they're playing uh, Michigan tonight to start the season. probably the off. most fame they've ever got is on I know, the show. Just, I can't. When I was looking at the schedule, like, this was the same North Florida that just played like 24 hours ago. But... I never even heard of North Florida. Exactly. Yeah. That's why you start the season against North them. North Florida's not where you, the nice part where you go to retire. The North Florida's where the meth heads live, you know it's, what I'm saying? It's the panhandle. So, some, some of those, some of these like smaller teams playing the, the get out of hand. There there's a team, there's a team, oh, I'm going to look it up right now. There's a team that played Miami, the Miami Hurricanes in football at the beginning of the year. And I swear to God, I've never heard of this school in my life. Hold hold on a second. Because I, you know, the the talent Oh, the yeah, talent level t- is just so uh there's you so know, many dispersed. ridiculous teams yeah. that come out and you play teams at the beginning of the year in college basketball and college football. Bethune you know, Cookman, like, Joe? What's that? Bethune Cookman? Was that the school year? Yeah, had? that's it. Like they, they didn't even like spell it out and on uh, actually, Google here. Uh, yeah, Bethune Cookman Wildcats football. They 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 uh, lost That's a historically to black college. I think they play in like the Division 2 or whatever, but uh, you know what? Famed NFL player went to Bethune Cookman. Nick Collins for your Green Bay Packers. Your Green Bay Packers, man. I, I mean, man. I never even heard of those guys. And hold on, Alabama played one too. I'm gonna, I'm gonna look these up before we end the show because this is. I'm on. I'm gonna go so on the rant here. So while you looked that up, I just want to give a little brief on Michigan State's basketball team. Looks really good with Miles Bridges coming back, but the anomaly this year is last year they had no tall people. This year they have too many guys in the post, including a freshman, Jaron Jackson Jr., whose dad played in the pros. He's from Indianapolis, and. uh he scored 13 points last night. Ten of them came from the free throw line. He actually has a shot, which is incredible for a guy that's 6'11 with a 7'4 wingspan. And he's 245 as a you know, true freshman in college. He's looks like the real deal. It's going to open up a lot for Miles Bridges, able to play the three. So Michigan State, Tuesday night versus Duke. It's going to be a big game. If you've listened to this by then, you better tune in. Okay, so here we go. Alabama, they've yet to play him, but they're playing Mercer. Who in the fuck is Mercer? Uh, I know their basketball team beat Duke when they were a 15 seed, and Duke was a two seed. Man, yeah, that's, that, that's, that, that's exactly what I was that, going to say. No, no, that's all that, I know. That's about great, them. man. Everybody that, plays cupcakes, but what's what upsets me is how the SEC saves a cupcake for late in the season. So there's only two weeks left, so that means they have to play them next week because the Iron Bowl is the last week of the season. So leading into the biggest game of the season, the Iron Bowl, their biggest rivalry, they go and basically have a bye week. Where everybody else, like the Big Ten, you have to have all your games in the beginning, and then you play your schedule so you get beat up. It, wouldn't it be nice if Michigan State, after playing Penn State, rolled down to Ipsland this weekend and played Eastern Michigan Eagles? That would have been real nice. No, instead we're trotting down to the shoot to get our ass kicked by JT Baird and the boys. Yeah, no, that is that is something. And, and if you ask me, if you're going to put a team like that on your schedule in a day and age where your schedule strength is a extremely uh, key factor uh, and to get into the college football playoff, if you have a team like that in your schedule and you lose somehow by the grace of God, you lose. I think you should get the death penalty. 
the, the two-year <laughs> ban from a bowl game, like like you're like you're paying recruits. If you lose to that a team that no one's ever heard of, like come on, man. I've been watching college football since I was a kid. I don't even know who the I fuck Mercer is. Or well, the point of I can't remember who the last team was. You just told me Bethune Cookman. Bethune Cookman. Bethune Cookman's won some community high school. Yeah. No, I've heard of Bethune Cookman. They're they're one of like the historically black colleges, like Grambling. Yeah, you mentioned that. Yeah. yeah. Second time you said it, it yeah. Tony. I wonder if there's going to be a third, and I wonder why you keep mentioning that. But I'm just saying that's why people don't know them. Other fast facts while we're wrapping this up and kind of just riffing is um. Today, Iowa State scored a go-ahead touchdown to play uh, World Beaters again. So they went up by seven at the time. They could have gone for two to put the game out of reach. Instead, they kicked the field goal, go up eight. Oklahoma State ends up coming back, tying the game up. They were overtime and lose. I understand the strategy of uh, just kicking the field goal when you're in a tight game. Maybe it was OSU-Michigan. But in the scenario where you're playing the upset special, you got to go for two there every time. You know what I mean, guys? That might be the blunderhead move of the week. You could have beat TCU, Oklahoma, and Oklahoma State. You kind of lost me a little bit. I'm not going to lie, man, but I'm sure you're right. You always are, man. Iowa well, State, man. That, they're they're like seven. Iowa this year. They're just playing spoiler, you know? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So Iowa's yeah, a Iowa, spoilers. Iowa is currently I, down 10-7 to 7 to... Stay away from the state of Iowa if you're playing college ball. Four fat chicks and uh, tractors. I think that's on their state flag. <laughs> You just you just Jeez. don't want to travel to Iowa this year, boy. If you're playing if you're playing college ball, you want to stay out of Iowa. Okay. Yeah, just a quick update on some scores. Michigan is currently up, up twenty eight nothing on Maryland, and Iowa was up seven to three on Wisconsin. Now they're down ten to seven. Sweet. Yeah, I mean that's going to be like a little time capsule for them because when they listen to this, the games will be over. But yeah, Tony, good call. All right. As soon as we started bas- start about basketball, I kind of tuned out. But it's been a great episode. We covered a lot of ground. <laughs> Uh, Frank, the- after the Lions show, we tune out. Don't, don't lie to the people. You're over here, glazed eyes, took a nap. I love you guys. Um, it was a great Frank, show. Frank put his headphones on the table and we stopped talking about the Lions. You just kind of leaned back. Yeah, and- that's where my passion <laughs> ran out. No, I, I, love, uh, I love everything. That's what you call passion? Basketball. And, and Batoon Duke or whatever you guys are talking about. But um, with that, it's uh, time for Tony to pay the bills. All right. As always, you can find this show... At Facebook.com slash Revolutionary Sports Front. Twitter.com slash RSF Podcast. Revolutionary Sports Front on Instagram. RevolutionarySportsFront.com is the website. You can email the show directly at RevolutionarySportsFront at gmail.com. Thank you for downloading, listening, and subscribing. And thank you for being a part of the sports revolution. Adios, amigos!